Welcome to the fifth conversation of the Sunny Book Club. This week we're talking about She Would Be King by Wei Tu Mo. Through the intertwined lives of three strangers, the book takes us on a journey of how present-day Liberia came to exist, all while being encased in lyrical prose and magical realism. Book. It had drama. Everything's happening. So many things happening. So many characters. It was. That 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 was the first thought that came to mind. It's like a Bollywood movie turned into a book. I don't know if a, a Hollywood movie has been made or not. Yeah, did you feel that way because of the magical realism aspect? You know, like yeah, this yeah, sort of yeah. like uh, this guy who can't ever like be hurt and someone who disappears and yeah. then this girl who d- never dies. <laughs> Film me. It well written. I liked it. It had. It was gripping. I like it. I thought the voice of the first character is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Then my favorite chapter so far. Yeah. It took me a while. I thought I wouldn't be able to finish it. It was long. <laughs> But I feel like at some point the pace uh, get you pick up the pace at some point in the book. Like when you finish the chapter of Bessa, uh, you kind of start to understand what how the book is organized when that chapter ends, and then they go to June Day, and you're like, oh, now there's another character, and then there's this other mm-hmm. character, and then their lives come together. Mm-hmm. So all of yours, uh, your unanimously favorite is Be- Bessa as a character out of the three. Yeah, I Finished it. I only read like three chapters. You so read the three of the their descriptions, right? Yeah. Their backstory. Yeah, I used to hold them on Rovia chapters also because like, if there's only three characters and I've already met three. Mhm. Yeah, there's basically three. Yeah. yeah. I actually loved it. Like for me, the 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 point when like sort of it, it when it connects from like the second chapter back into the first. Um, and you see how it all tied together. That was like very powerful. Very good. And then the wind, like the wind, anyway, feels like. Hello, Dhanish. Hello. Hi, what's up? Hi. How are you? What's happening? Have you read it? I read like uh, um, in the part where. Uh, What's her name? Uh, she tells us that Safua has a kid, and uh, she sort of meets Safua after he's had a kid. That way, so we didn't do much. Not not much. It gets wild. Yeah. You no, know, the the synopsis was very interesting, but then uh, I had like I I came to my friends like three days ago, and after that I've been here, so I couldn't read no. Got it. Okay. Are you planning to get through the rest of it? I don't think so because I'll be reading next week's book, so I don't think I'll be able to. But sometime for sure, because uh, like the 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 magical aspect of it is what uh, interests me. Like I don't know what happens off it later on, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping something interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely worth it. I can I can tell you that. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. been so far. Mm-hmm. Very curated. Yeah, I'm uh, very curated. 
No, I read like three chapters and have more time than that. Yeah. Is it is it like an anthology book where uh, they not, talk? It feels like that, but it's oh. not. So they do connect oh. that. At least uh-huh. what I read. Um, but it's really okay. cool how they connect that. Mm. Yeah. I thought it was like an African uh, Marvel comics. Yeah, <laughs> little bit. Yeah. I mean, it is a bit supernatural, so. Yeah. No, I'll definitely read it then because that that sort of stuff interests me. Definitely read it. You like it? You definitely yeah. like it. Uh huh. I actually didn't know like enough about West Africa in general, like their history. So, like when uh, when. when they describe the three characters and how they have these three different backgrounds but they link and they have a common link it makes a lot of sense at that moment you're like of course you know like that has to be the case but you never think about it like that like i've never known about the history of liberia at, at all so no no so it's interesting because i didn't read the synopsis recently like i read it ages ago i feel and i didn't realize that like this story is just that Like one of them, it was clear that it was in Jamaica, but I didn't actually like. The the second one, he was living on a plantation in the U.S. in the southern states. Yeah, in Virginia, he mentions it, but uh, but um, that to me was like the most powerful chapter because his mom, the one who gives birth to him, and she's already like invisible when she gives birth to him. uh later on you realize that the narrator the i the first person is that yeah. woman like yeah. she is the wind and like because yeah. of that like i felt like very like she kind of like tied all of them together somehow and when it when when she was that image of like her get, walking to the coast of america just lying down in the ocean and drifting back to africa like that was a very powerful like symbol uh Like it's all still giving me goosebumps. Like just thinking about it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And that was for me. That was very cool because there was the use of the first person in like the first chapter, and I never like I had it like I I mean I guess that it was the way because of the way it was written, but I didn't realize that there was like a personality to it until you hit the ch- the second chapter, and then you realize like how it ties back into the first. So it was really cool because it's not like your linear progression that you sort of imagine like. This story finished, and now this picks up sort of after it. It's actually like it jumps space and time, which is really cool. But it's not hard to make those connections. Like it's written in a really. So does Bessa never age, even in the book? Like when they find her later and she's married and whatever, is she still the same that she was like before? Does she never age? I couldn't understand that. She doesn't die. It doesn't mean she doesn't. Yeah. Maybe she did it. Oh. Okay. I got a suggestion from her chapter only. Yeah, like at what point did she stop aging? First, she reached. Yeah, she reached that age, and then she was sent to the forest exiled. Oh, and then she stopped growing at that age. Yeah. Oh. Probably the age they think that a girl matures and she gets her periods or something. I I think it was that. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to be. What were you saying, Mom? 
Yeah, no, I, I said I like the fluidity of the writing. You know, the two voices, like, you know, like Malika and I were discussing the Norman Aragon, like that part is a bit like more stilted, but the first two are so fluid, you know, like, and there's just some rhythm in the whole writing that is so enjoyable. It's especially in the first. Sorry? I felt especially in the first day said like that was just yeah. I've like highlighted almost the entire chapter because I just like the way that she's phrased so much of it. Yeah. It's really lyrical. Like it's actually what Anita said, like for me I could visualize it so easily. Like I felt like I was like it was so vivid that it was so e- like I love the way they described like this man like pursing his lips to whistle and then the whistle travelling around the the village to wake up the cat. Like I just like I feel like I can see that in my brain. Yeah. It's written really well. <laughs> you just starting, you know, that whole cat dying and all of that it was like Old Man Nyan Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But every chapter like when they start like you can already feel the context change by like the names and like the things they're doing and stuff and for me that was the interesting part from the historical side is like you kind of feel a familiarity with all those backgrounds and then you come to realize their common link uh through the creation of Liberia or whatever like i never saw saw it as like a reversal i always thought that like slaves were taken away they like left africa and then they their struggle was always outside i never realized that like they actually came back and tried to like uh reown what was let's say their home so like now when i look at west africa mali liberia all those countries like i look at them very differently like they have layers within their own like blackness of identity it's like they're not all equal they're not all the same the guys who came back the slave the slave uh, the people who escaped slavery and came back to africa they felt somehow like more superior to the tribal yeah. people and which is crazy because they escaped that oppression and then they came back and became the oppressor let's let's that's a that's a huge thing that you Right, right. No, I agree. But is this is this something like um, 
uh, when when someone says experience matters, if if you think that experience really matters, then you're then you're sort of on the side of the parents where uh, you're saying that look, we know more than you. And uh, if experience and uh, experience doesn't matter as much as much as um, what you've sort of learned, then you're sort of on the other rebellious sort of side. Where, yeah. Where, Hmm. Any any kid you see who has an opinion of their own is labeled as a rebel child. Uh-huh. You go against the right. child, you go against your parents or anybody for that matter, and you're termed as a rebel. Hmm. That's very uh, interesting. Uh-huh. The structure of uh, you, you, yeah, you have even in in a democracy, you have the elected representatives who are saying that. We know more than you, so mm-hmm. I, it is kind of a natural human tendency. Like I know more than you. you. I guess. Like while I was reading, yeah, I thought about what happens in India, not about what happens in Africa or America. We don't know what happened then. We cannot empathize, sympathize, anything. But we see what's happening in India or, or in our surroundings. A maid comes. It's not slavery per se, but we are making them do our stuff, cleaning and stuff. It is very different. I agree, but you know more. I know more than the maid. I'm educated. She or he has to do my work. So, but I I look at that and not escape it. If there was any uh, lighter term to put it in, I could. But it is slavery in a sense because if one day that the maid says, "Hey, look, I don't feel like doing this," you're not gonna say, "Like, I mean, not my mom. She's not gonna say, okay, fine, don't do it. Like, do it." I have a, I have a, I don't know, a different way of looking at that. Uh, and it comes up in the book also about like keeping workers, house workers especially. Uh, why isn't it just like another job they are getting paid for it for example uh keeping someone against their will that would be slavery yeah. Yeah. but uh, so, um, that's why it's not the same thing but we do not give them the respect that they deserve that's a that's a personal level thing i think and that's a societal yeah. level thing that's come about but yeah uh, but what you see in majority of what's happening around you, you are like I'm very uh, kind to the lady who comes and say I tell my son to call them dadi ya didi ya. I like do not call them bye. In galaxies, don't do that. And okay. the person who comes to collect your garbage is the safai bhaiya. He's not the kachra bhaiya. Don't say him the kachra bhaiya. Oh, galaxies, don't do that. But others around me, they do not have the same uh, mentality. Like that guy has come to pick up my garbage, he should come and really do his work. If he's not coming, then what is he getting paid for? But that's fair also if you think about it in the words that you just said. It's like, yeah, it I is mean, a job, you're getting paid for the, it. Like, why are you not there? The respect that a white-collared job a person gets the maids or the servants do not get that fair enough absolutely do I, I I we all can't refute that for sure yeah
but they talk about this in the book also like having uh, helpers isn't like a degrading thing in monrovia that's their whole thing is like now in this new africa that they're kind of making they want people to like be equals or whatever and then people have different opinions on that too i guess and i i think the point is you know domestic staff a lot of what they do is at the will of the person they're working for and maybe that's why you know it feels a little bit less uh then let's say you know a bus conductor you know like he's also doing something hmm. but it's like he feels i i think like a professional i i But Amy, listening to your point about uh, Liberia, you know, never even thought about it. Is is it really true that there was a society called ACS and all of that? I never Did looked you know it up, but I will look it up now. Uh, yeah, I'm still. Yeah, American colonization society. Okay, that's it. It's uh. originally known as the society for the colonization of free people of color of america okay and yeah, i read somewhere that liberia is called the america of africa or mm-hmm. something like that it, okay. so the 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 committee was set uh, the organization was set up to encourage and support migration of free african americans to the continent of africa so they were wow. facilitating this like massive migration movement back to okay Interesting. Yeah. I, I I didn't even know this had happened, frankly. Exactly. But, yeah, the other thing I must tell you is just very recently I got very interested in this whole black history, and um, uh, there, there's a lovely documentary if you're interested called the Thirteenth Amendment. It's just beautiful, and because of that, roots after like forty years. I don't know if you all have heard of roots. So that was like the original, so to say, black person's point of view. And if you compare that, you know, Kunta Kinte and all that, I don't know if you have read about it. The way he tells the Africa story, and this book, it's like you know, you you can just see the difference. You know, like that book, it it was the first of its time. uh but it's written in a very like almost like a uh, documentary way and this is so rich and lovely actually yeah especially towards the end you really feel the the sort of hunger to create yeah. an identity the 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 very theatrical lines at the end when they're standing on that beach like facing the enemy or whatever in yeah. this like united front uh the yeah. language was very beautiful there like you really feel the power of like the people yeah and spoiler alert for malika but no uh, so compared to the burning uh you know like well i thought the burning ended on a bit of a hopeless note you know compared to yeah. that this is a very positive note in some sense absolutely yeah. um yeah. i i what i really liked was because when uh they sort of reached the ending the climax part i'm not going to say exactly what happens uh you kind of like feel because of like 
history that we've grown up with and factually speaking like what should have happened and what happened in africa you expect something a certain thing to go down even. but the fact that she doesn't even go into that she just leaves you at this like sort of precipice of like hope you know yeah. compared to the burning which she wraps up the gift for you in this really ugly wrapper almost of reality yeah that doesn't seep into this book that's why she keeps even. on with the magical realism or yeah. like this sort of like hopefulness yeah. uh True. the spirit of the people instead of actual factual events Uh, so that's a really nice comparison uh, from burning to this book. Yeah. I, burning was too close a subject for us probably as mm-hmm. Indians. We knew it wasn't. It was very factual. We knew things were happening, and things had happened to people. the things that happened in the burning that they spent so many years in jail and stuff and like that so it hit quite close to home and this was that is why this was very magical because we've i've probably never read about african history american african history and stuff so this was quite magical and far away thing so it was quite easy to read yeah <laughs> actually, it feels more magical if you if you actually know the history. Hello. Oh. <laughs> What's his name? His name's Kabir. <laughs> no, if you know the history, actually, it feels even more magical because you know the history of it is the white man with his gun would come. and just take people away and nobody could fight them you know that's yeah. the real history and here you know the fact that uh, you know like you said almost hollywood or bollywood that mm. you know, like there's all this magic happening and the frenchmen don't know what's going on and like it's actually like turning everything on its head yeah uh, so yeah Yeah the thing that uh, you were saying Ankita about a burning is like yeah. it's also happening now the setting of that book is literally today like it could be yeah. happening now yeah. so it's hard to also like uh, separate the reality from literal reality but i guess mm. in this case the author has a little bit of freedom to like play around with the subject and take us on a different journey of like telling a version of history that the africans felt maybe mm. uh I'm pretty sure why to more herself has roots in West Africa like the way she like writes is very powerful about the subject. Yeah, probably. On a just general note like how much would you rate this book out of 5 personally? Yeah. Personally I felt the ending was a bit hurried like it could have could have been elaborated yeah thoda sa aur it could have been stretched so i probably give it a 3 and a half hmm fair actually what about the others to rate because not much to clear out yeah <laughs> i know so yeah, 10 also sorry yeah. 
I'd also go with three and a half. And you know, I agree with Ankita. Where it started falling for me, and I feel like the character was not well drawn. Was that uh, her husband? Huh. Betha's husband. Somehow, you know, like after he comes in, somehow it it just feels contrived. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't. I somehow that relationship never worked. You know. Hmm. Um. On the other hand, when the three of them meet, you know that like really works. Uh, you know when they're together, all three of them. I I actually thought when the three of them met, like that moment would spark something like really like uh, like an atomic explosion or something. Yeah, some. But the how she just gets taken away or snatched from them, and then yeah. things kind of fizzle out, and then they yeah. meet very hurriedly, like you said in the ending. Yeah, I was expecting more to happen with that, the three of yeah, them together. Yeah, that portion could have been elaborated further when three of them are together. They could have. Uh, it, elaborated that part stretched that one and the last part could have been shortened the the part where bessa kind Three of starts of together. fitting into monrovian uh, society life that part i felt like was uh, fleshed out too much like disproportionately compared yeah. to her relationship with norman aragon and uh, june day but another very powerful moment in the book was when june day is solo in kilimanjaro chapter and mm. that person that he meets the woman on the ground or whatever is talking to him in riddles and is like this oracle who channels his mother and tells him that your june day like that was like really uh, like it was a very short chapter but it was very meaningful like i wanted that kind of full circle to come to june day of like who he really was because in the whole book he calls himself moses and we know him as june day and we know his story but he has no idea who he really was so that kilimanjaro chapter was also really powerful for me this reminds me i don't remember that the oracle uh so you know how norman aragon and june day like separate at one point and then they say we'll see each other again in the future um So June Day keeps traveling solo more towards eastern Africa and then there's a chapter called Kilimanjaro and we're not certain if it's the mountain Kilimanjaro or the woman's name was Kilimanjaro yeah uh and she's just talking to him in these like riddles uh don't you know who you are and stuff like that Norman Aragon's waiting for you all this so i felt like this really like mystical sort of quality in that chapter all right okay Definitely a lot of uh, body hair standing moments in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that about Africa in general. I feel like it has like the power to like. I mean, I don't know. It's like such a undiscovered continent even today, compared to other places. That it kind of arouses that sort of like, like the witchcraft that Bessa is all about, or. something magical happening it's yeah. like more believable there than it would be in say north america you know yeah. as a place True. Mm. on that note guys i'll get back to my friends uh, i just popped in to say hi i'll see you all
Beide haben nicht Nein. sort of like flipping around. You guys have like a specific something that you really like, something that you all want. Wait, Ankita, can you mute like if you're not talking because there's a lot of background. So, sorry. Sorry. Did you have any clothing that you really like liked or connected with? Did you say clothes? Yeah, like do you mark anything out specifically? Do you do that? Like when you read, do you mark stuff out? Not always. Fair enough. I don't know that this this Kindle it's so easy to just select and highlight. I don't know what I'm ever gonna do with all these highlights, but I've just highlighted away. So tell us your highlights now. Stand by. I just remembered another part of the book that I was really uh, taken aback by. In the second chapter about June Day, uh, when you realize that the mother is dead or invisible, yeah. <laughs> like when when they're at that graveyard and the silent man, the father is just like pointing at her graveyard, and she's like, "Oh, now yeah. this all makes sense to me." And I was like, "Me too." Like, <laughs> true. Art is done so well because it starts with her saying, "You know, I go in and out, and nobody answers me. Nobody speaks with me." And like you go through that whole thing, not realizing that she's actually a spirit already, right? You know, and then the ending, like it's it, that's really wonderfully done. Actually, that yeah. while reading that, that something is off, but. Like I couldn't pinpoint the fact that oh she's dead. Then that's where the magical realism is like threaded yeah. so beautifully through the book. You don't yeah. even like realize, you know. Yeah, but actually in that chapter there's that like there's a punishment, especially the kind given by those who have nothing, can be a big and addictive thing. Cruel as it is, that small taste of power is juicy. It lasts long. Yeah. And that's a really powerful line. It's a great line. Yeah. One of my highlights. <laughs> what? Yeah. what Good highlight. Yeah. What do you guys uh, make of the woman, like the spirit, the mum, when she gives birth to the to June Day? I know that it's like fictional, and we have to run with that and whatever. But what? At, at some level, were you able to make sense of that birth? No. <laughs> that troubled me. <laughs> Till like ten, fifteen pages, even after even, I was like, "What just happened? Right. What did happen?" And at first, I thought even the baby is not real. Mm-hmm. At first, I really thought that, but then when others saw it, I was like, "Okay." But the baby was real. kind of unreal only in the end. Like it's like, what? yeah, but <laughs> invisible. 
kind of like the prodigal son in a way in the book uh like okay at least at the start of his life his whole identity is that of being a son first it's all about him in the in the womb and how he needs to be protected how he's kind of like this the a good thing happening in the world as a son and then for darlene as well like he's very timid growing up like she's protecting him like oh my son stay in the kitchen with the women like his role was to be the son you know what i mean and then he goes to africa and he becomes this like larger than life protector of the people a people that he never even knew but i don't know i somehow felt like he was uh, the prodigal son that returns to africa somehow he's the spirit that returns the exact the, the mother and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i i've been trying to make sense of the three uh, the let's just call them the three uh in abstract terms what did they represent for the african struggle that, like i felt like they're like an abstract they the way their characters were set up that they are somehow uh like a like a characteristic of the african struggle somehow like besa yeah. seemed like hope this guy seemed like power norman aragon was like the resilience or the brain of the movement like i i i i got this feeling 
with their supernatural powers that they each had and the way that they were like sort of uh, the uniting thing like the justice league of the african struggle or something yeah, like that correct, you know uh-huh. that it wasn't just uh, human beings that were being portrayed that it was like some kind of a like a spirit of the people embodied in these three characters somehow yeah no that's true but you know the voice says this somewhere it says i i need all these three gifts something like that they say to you know to really uh, like change things or make a difference there's a line somewhere where she says like we need all three of them together mm-hmm. something to that effect uh, yeah so the the voice to some extent was like africa like the like the feminine uh, embodiment yeah. of like let's say africa because africa is sort of usually as female yeah that's deep no i actually felt that through the writing like i'm not Seriously? just like i'm not just like making this up i i really found the, no, no obviously you're not making this no up. i'm not just saying it to say something i swear like i <laughs> no i'm just amazed that you go so deep while reading things i like, i recently I have read uh, a bit about african american culture okay. and africa like for example chima mande and gozi and then even in school we read chinua chebe a little bit uh okay. so i don't know i feel like uh, i know a fair amount about their history like briefly okay. at least so when i go I to read no these idea. things i feel a little bit more connected maybe to their struggle mm. like it's not like a completely foreign thing do you know if liberia is like also become in a way of like this a banana republic or do you think it's Nice Because I I don't think it has sustained, you know. Like you mean I, as a free nation? Sorry, you mean as a free nation? As a free nation, but have they gone the same way like the rest of Africa? You know, which is no governance, a few people making a lot of money from the country, and everybody else in deep poverty and etc. They had a you civil know, like, war. You know, since the Pope gone, like the Pope was, they build a good country. But did that happen? I don't know. Well, they had a civil war conflict from eighty nine to ninety seven, which killed two hundred fifty thousand people. Oh. And it led to the involvement of other African states and the United Nations. So I would say, to a certain extent, yeah, and they're extremely poor. as okay. a country so i don't see how they would have like wrenched themselves yeah. out of that arms yeah. war and all this kind of a thing you know and yeah. i mean, i like burkina faso kind of a vibe i'm getting if i don't know that much about liberia but i know like it's if it's on the web in its diary posts and stuff and that is i think they have a huge drug problem they have a huge like they had a huge ebola problem so it's like yeah it's not a very um it's it's not like a very even though it's like technically like a beach country and like all of that like it's a coastal country like it's very plagued by problems and i think mm-hmm. that any of these like sort of new developing countries which very, which very recently got um independence and but never really made wealth as countries like india still has a tremendous size and tremendous um like population and so we it's We still 
seem to be like a force for people but a lot of these smaller countries just get counted out on the world stage right absolutely mm-hmm. yeah even our neighbors only because pakistan is support of us they still surviving and stuff so yeah probably african countries are on the same page i'm looking at pictures of monrovia today and it looks kind of like other typical african capital cities which like some roads look yeah. very well built and stuff and then there's these massive slums and general poverty yeah. on the streets so it's better yeah. than somalia though i can see that through the pictures but uh, yeah i don't think it it, it eventually mm. mm-hmm. but like even in the book they think that like the slave traders left them alone the french but they never actually did so the fate of uh, west africa and any african country which is rich in maybe minerals and natural resources i guess they all were resigned to the same fate yeah actually that you know africa they say lost continent like that because like on the one hand they have so much mineral wealth and everything and even uh, you know frankly environmental wealth but on the other hand like they really not benefited at all from it um like even that means that like the the people who struggled in the west indies and america and they came back uh through acs or whatever in a way they were re-enslaved because we were talking yeah. about this, this at the start like slavery as a concept exists when someone else exerts power over you and in yeah. especially in these smaller west african countries they were never really free they were always sort of controlled by the un and other players such as spain or france or like yeah one of the other colonizers yeah but that's yeah. that's kind of why like i mean like now we we're talking about reality again and so the morose has kind of set in <laughs> but uh, the book True. leaves us all feeling so hopeful for the people there yeah <laughs> i would like to say um, one of the first original things that i highlighted was connected there's this line which says um it talks about the initial people who came to like this land of lie and like the like the the village elders the old bars and it says they waited for the spirits to reveal themselves in nuances and uncover secrets of the land and its animals and i think that goes to this idea that it's always been a country with incredible natural sort of wealth like you said and that they at that point had the like great understanding to recognize the importance of that and that like and that's kind of that theme continues that all of them sort of find their power in nature mm-hmm. uh, find their homes they find their identities in nature and that like the most sort of is like what is this country other than its land and it's it's like basic sort of actually exists and the fact that they would attune to that and they understood that understanding the natural lay of the land was what gave them power i think is what like when we look like ancient wisdom and stuff like i feel like that's the core of it for this book mhm when you think about it even India was kind of the same thing. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, we've why, changed. You know, we've changed, but at the same time, I feel like um, there's still in India this great 
uh, respect for like ancient tra- traditions and wisdom. Like I know so many people that like if they're sick or something. Like I mean, for sure you you can take medicine, but I know so many people who do like you know like things that you've done. Like if I have a cold, like I'll have, I'll have honey and haldi mixed together because that's what like my grandmother taught my mother or my father, and then they taught me. And it's just yeah. these like little practices that we've passed down, or like something like you know. For women, we tell we we say you know like put coconut oil. You know why is that even a thing? It's just because some it's a tradition over generations, and it all comes back to the power of nature and the healing properties that we can harness from nature, um, and the power that we can find in it. So I feel like that's what really sets India as a country apart from something like say the US, because when when you know they set up as the united states like they basically erased all indigenous population and yeah. wisdom and traditions from their country and they tried to like create this new country but what they lost was their history uh, and i think in india like where over like if you see like the us i like, what they like some it wasn't 100 year old country and where like a 2000 year old country so We still have so many of those like practices still intact today. In the U.S., though, that wasn't their history to lose. Only you know what I mean. Like they, the people, the indigenous you know, culture that they tried to erase, it didn't completely get erased. It was never the settlers. They almost completely erased it. Like yeah, in India, like losing, losing all the Indians. Like imagine us being like a reflection of the West. You know, that's what happened to the U.S. Like. At one point, like slowly on that path, like I believe it's long path, but not really in the sense that we still are our own people. Like I don't think that at any point we're going to become completely a reflection of the West. No. But if yeah. you see Native American traditions, like how much it, it really doesn't factor in at all. Like when we think of American culture. We're not at all thinking about anything to do with Native Americans. Malika, may I make a slightly different point to to what you said? You know about how they thought about themselves and their environment and their nature and the animals. And I feel like you know the world is coming full circle to that realization. Yeah, yeah. first we went like you know let's just worry about ourselves and all of us make more money, and we are slowly coming to the realization that if we don't look after you know. Animals. What are we? And and the point I want to give a very interesting story. You know, I was reading in the newspaper about this uh, person from a tribe in Middle India mm-hmm. uh, who's called a tree whisperer or something. And he's from a tribe whose only job, what that tribe did very well, is they knew what grows where, how will it grow best, what do you do to a tree to make it really grow well, and he has this as Wisdom that's come down from the ages, mm-hmm. and I was just left thinking, you know, those people whom development just passed them by, maybe they are actually people who've got the you know core wisdom for the world, because otherwise, you know, where the world has reached them, we said, okay, let's build roads, let's get electricity, let's give everyone data, let everybody have mobile phones, let everybody sit and watch something on their mobile phones, you know, like. So, so I, I just feel like this tree whisperer is because development bypassed them. They've actually managed to retain their yeah, wisdom. That's true. You know, that's true. Like, I mean, like, I mean, that's actually an important paradox of like how the two seem to be mutually exclusive. Like how we consider like ancient traditions and wisdom to be in conflict with 
I don't know, like progress or development, but actually they should be hand in hand. Like it should be that our history and our traditions inform our future and our progress. I like think it would be also hear of stories like there's only one person left who knows this kind of weaving. Or there's yeah. only one family left in the whole country. So, yeah. probably there were many, but yeah. they chose development. And so, getting that balance is not everybody's cup of tea. Right? You have to choose one or the other. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I just think that it's yeah. so interesting that we think of them as things that we got to each other. Like, I wonder how we got there, you know? Like, I wonder yeah. at what point, like, previous learning is not informed future endeavor i mean uh, i so this is kind of specific to what i study and what i research is about post colonial like landscapes and urban development there and one of the cultural things that is like sort of across the board in every post colonial country is that they've been so influenced by the west that you remain subservient to their thoughts their progress their vision their version of how things should be so mm-hmm. if you look at a liberia you look at a nigeria you look at india you look, just across the board post colonial landscapes there's a subservience to the west, to the west and that's why we don't build on our traditions we scrap them yeah. and mm-hmm. we start to lose our traditions so that we liberia and india like you'll draw a lot of parallels even the social uh, setup of monrovia and how there's like already a class division like starting to happen between some educated africans and then the native people etc you can draw the same parallel to present day india also i mean it's become so ingrained like if you tell me about a tree whisperer in madhya pradesh or whatever like i already look at that as like this wow how cool how mystical how exotic and i am literally like from the same country so there's this huge fissure between uh, yeah. this like honestly like i look at it this way like we've kind of become the settlers too now in a way like we've colonized our own country you know uh and i guess that answers what ankita was saying at the start about how you look differently at helpers and uh, non educated members of society or whatever Uh, is like we've take we we fill the shoes of the original colonizer and even in yeah. liberia i'm yeah. sure the same thing is happening today the educated fact, brain brain um, very interesting point uh, one of the ngos was tribal village they said is a very democratic place so you know if there's anything like for example vaccines somebody goes and says hey all of you have to take vaccines hmm. He says the whole village sits together, men, women. They all debate, argue. Everybody has a strong voice, you know. And so, in a sense, like there are some traditions which actually are already where they need to be, you know. But but if you look at it, they're still the most backward people in the country, mm-hmm. even though maybe they're practicing better traditions at their own. Kind of Again, we see that like uh, we we label it as backward or progressive from a very Western uh, ideal now. Like yeah, yeah, all of our yeah, I, you know. So I, I agree. Uh, I agree. That's But on a slightly the, different yeah. note. Sorry, finish, finish, finish. No, I was after. just going to reiterate that like that's just the fate of like the post-colonial countries in general. Like Malika said, how did we get here? It's this is literally how we got here. Like, is yeah. 
brainwashing of many years actually mm. yeah very subtly chipping yeah. away <laughs> what i what i loved in the first chapter was you know when they described the white people who come uh you know and from the eyes of someone who's never seen a white man or seen a gun you know i i really enjoyed that whole chapter where she says they had metal things hanging from the so you know like if you were a tribal who had never seen a gun or a white man you know like i i thought that perspective was like great you know yeah. like how innocent you were when they came yeah. I was unable to place Norman Aragon's uh, physical appearance because they kept saying that he looked more like his father, Callum Aragon. And even when he goes to Africa, people when they first see him, they're like overwhelmed by his whiteness and they don't think of him as African at all. So I was like unable to picture him. Like, what did he actually look like? He was the one character I couldn't place in the in the book. Uh, I mean, that's like um, it's a mulatto skin tone is kind of like. It, it it's like um i mean it's like i don't know if you know like oh like i'm Megan seeing Arkin. now yeah. yeah i don't know if you watch suits but i actually thought it was really funny like um in suits megan markle's Megan's character one point says that like her father's black and the person in front of her reacts being like oh didn't know that and he said what did you just think this was a year round dad <laughs> and that's kind of what a lot of people would like that's kind of what like that that bit well, yeah. it happened there where you're like is it just a person with a tan is it someone who like has biracial family roots um it can like sort of exist on a spectrum in my mind i think trevor noah came to my mind yes yeah that would be that's oh yeah true i'm looking at him carefully now <laughs> <laughs> You know, I read his book, and his book is also quite nice, like very funny and amazing, I guess. So he's also described this thing. Uh, his father was white, and his mother was black, and his skin was on the fairer side, and how the kids there didn't uh, want to play with him and stuff. Yeah, like which one are you? This or yeah. that? Okay. So did you guys like like this book? Would you like to read similar sort of stuff? I liked it. I thought it was a good choice. Mm, cool. I really enjoyed it so far. And I think that's kind of the point of this is that I wouldn't have maybe picked it out for myself, but we yeah. read on this. Like, and I read the synopsis of the Dove Keepers, and I'm like. After this, do I want to read another like, <laughs> on a similar platform? Like, But I uh, what I find, what I what I think that one will be really interesting is that the the historical setting changes completely, I and I really enjoyed learning about Liberia and the struggle of the people there, and how it ties with American culture as well. Like I never thought about that before. So I don't know. I I kind of I like for for me this month is all about like learning about new cultures. I think yeah. that I read a couple of pages from the Duff Keepers and I like it's quite serious stuff. Oh sure, quite heavy. But to your first point, Amy, just in the interest, I mean, you know, of maybe 
allowing more people a chance to participate i i don't know if one week is enough hmm. yeah to ask for sure and the other suggestion i have is maybe just you know like the intensity of the books maybe if you want to think about playing around with you know like yeah so for example i have you read americana my mom just finished it <laughs> yeah so it's a great book it's a very different perspective of black lives in the us mm-hmm. and but but it's not heavy you see so i mean as heavy right so i'm thinking in you know in case you want to like just play around with the mood a bit yeah. you know like one heavy one light it's like actually like combination it's actually very uh, difficult to predict how heavy something's going to be True. a because like you can't know it without reading the book and b also the discussions themselves like sometimes take a turn for the light hearted or the dark side like depending on everyone's mood yeah. as well so like sometimes even the book is fine but then the topics we bring up are like heavy maybe um yeah, yeah. I mean, and like with a book, like say for example, Grace is a thing with feathers. You would expect that to be really heavy, but I think it was actually very cathartic Chill. for people. Yeah, and that that discussion that we had had been like a really lovely, like nice discussion. So I think like it's sometimes it's it's hard to just judge where it's gonna go. Yeah, yeah. But I agree that uh, one book a week is uh... true. <laughs> Sorry, wait. Or you just nice yeah. people to at least come join. Even if they've not read the entire book, it's okay. But that it's hard for me to on. nudge people to do that because I don't want to be the spoiler. I you know, know. <laughs> like. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Actually, if you've not finished the book, you feel like you know. If I go go there, I might hear things I don't want to know yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's But, quite the opposite for me. I. I I'd like to know what's going to happen. Oh, like, oh yeah. Can somebody tell me? Just tell me. I mean, for not, for this book, I almost uh, messaged the people who hadn't finished, saying that don't worry because there's no like mic drop in this book. Like there's no sort of like big reveal. <laughs> But uh, everyone yeah. has their own way of reading a book, so I didn't want to put that on someone. Yeah. But uh, I think we'll try no, to mix like, it up. The yeah. way she makes the connections, at least so far, the way she made the connections has been so important, like to the to the to the impact of the book. That I feel like you really have to read it. Like, there's no like it, to really get something out of it. Like, read it, yeah. which is true of all books, but like I felt especially here. Yeah, the <coughs> style was very impactful for sure. Yeah. Um, it's lyric like mm. so uh i guess moving uh, forward like after this month like let's do another month of uh, experimenting with four books and four weeks but then moving forward maybe we'll do like uh, one book for two weeks and then meet like halfway yeah. or something like that yeah i think we should maybe just poll more people on these calls and like See how it's panning out. But with two weeks thing, I don't think anybody will come in the middle. Like, yeah, really? even if they're not coming now, then oh. why would they come? No, like as in, like let's say it's a five hundred page book, and you had two hundred fifty pages to read for the first week. And I, I, if I think if we do, if we do two weeks, we should we should maybe do two calls then, like uh, one call per book still, maybe just like a slightly longer one. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. We see. We 
I think you can just like check in with more people about this also. Yeah. Sounds good. Or unless you want to make it multimedia. Uh-huh. Because that might be easier on people. So you say like a book in one week and a, you know, whatever, a short movie or something in the next. <laughs> and people will spend two hours and watch something and, you know, land up. I... I I feel that because um the what can I say like the importance of each discussion or like the s- stuff to unpack in each discussion may not be like similar no, See Amy uh, I really should watch this since you're interested now watch this 13th amendment for example yeah that's it like you get such excellent documentaries nowadays mm-hmm. uh so so like you know it can be a very meaningful discussion that's also. true though yeah like if yeah. you're doing like black history month for example and then one yeah. week is just like watching something related to that topic yeah yeah and it could be anything right i mean it could be a poem it could but of course for poem you need a good like what what do i say i mean someone who really you know yeah gets it to conduct it Yeah, I just the I tell you the reason I'm scared to do movies is cuz I think that part of this club at least one of the reasons Amy and I talked about even doing this was because we wanted to reach new streaming as a habit. But you can see it just can be additional stuff. So no, but you know yeah. like the, it's already like goes to show like how difficult it actually is to read a book. Like yeah. So kudos yeah. to everyone who's been reading like Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. We'll figure. I think we'll just pull, pull more people. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. all credit at the very least, even if I have not. <laughs> so Dove Keepers next. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Good luck. See you all next week. Okay. Bye. Good night. Bye all. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night.